Fire and the Flood Part 3 of the Fiends with Benefits series Ugo Domen's Potfic Written by Verdant Valpus And read by Literarian Chapter 24 The End Part 1 Summary Crowley is put in charge of taking the Antichrist from point A to point B. You all know how that worked out. London, 1979 Crowley liked to drive fast. It wasn't so much about needing to get anywhere quickly, that sort of thing was for humans, so much as for the speed itself. It answered some kind of secret yearning inside the vermilion core of him. He was speeding down country roads now, glaring at the silver of dawn light warming the horizon. There wasn't any thrill in his velocity this time. It felt less like flying and more like fleeing fleeing from inevitability itself. Why now? Crowley knew better than to say it out loud again, but he cast a nervous glance at the Bentley's radio anyway. It continued on with its own business of belting out Vivaldi's save me, so he supposed he was alone in his panicking. Why, why, why? Why now? Logically, he knew the timing was immaterial. There was never going to be a convenient time to end the world. Not for Crowley. Even in his darkest moments, when he was full of nothing but pain and spite, he'd still find this responsibility unpleasant and awkward. But now? The now of it all was especially irksome because Crowley had been having a really good time lately. He felt lighter than he had in ages. He went about his work cheerfully, tripping joggers, gluing coins to the pavement, switching push-pull signs, repeatedly releasing the sloth at the zoo. He attended secret rendezvous with various rats and reprobates, both humans and rodent, while hatching his more convoluted schemes, finding each layer of complexity as entertaining as it was challenging. His favourite clandestine meetups were the two times a year he saw Aziraphale. He felt he bungled it a touch less each time he saw the angel, and the last meeting had been downright comfortable. They laughed together nearly the entire time. Crowley had thought himself so clever living in London on and off since the mid-twenties, but it turned out Zira had been staying in Soho more and more since the mid-fifties. They'd missed each other, ships in the night, for decades. Life was comically baffling at times. Although not for much longer. This was the other big issue Crowley had with this Antichrist brouhaha happening now. 
It was now. Not some distant hypothetical one could convince themselves wouldn't actually happen. Now. The world was going to end. There was going to be a war. He was going to be expected to play his part as a demon, a minion of hell. Starting right now. Now. Crowley closed his eyes and took a deep breath. He sat back, releasing the death grip he had on the steering wheel to rub his temples. The Bentley eased the brake on its own, downshifted, coasted, gradually dragging itself back from the breakneck speed in sympathy to the demon's attempts to calm himself. He knew he should go back to Mayfair to await further instructions. He knew he wasn't going to do that. The realization tore a shrill, manic bark of laughter from his lungs. It was pure denial. It was madness. It was suicide. Sure, he could disobey in small or general ways, but at the end of the day, at the end of the world, he was a demon. He didn't get to choose not to be. He picked up the car phone and dialed the angel's bookshop. The sky was bleeding pinks into the eastern sky. A new day was beginning, and Crowley chose. Aziraphale wasn't surprised to get Crowley's call. He'd been staring at the telephone for hours, begging it to ring, ever since Gabriel left him with his instructions and a growing sense of dread and intestinal discomfort. He kept miracling the stomachache away, and it kept returning every time he stopped concentrating on it. He wasn't supposed to speak with Crowley, let alone wait on his call like a teenager waiting on their crush. Of course, he wasn't ever supposed to speak to Crowley and in for a penny and all that, right? Besides, at this moment, there wasn't anyone he wished to speak to more. Crowley would know what to do about all this. Crowley would know what to say to make the ache in his belly ease. Crowley would find a way around all of this. So he met the demon by the duck pond in the park, trading information and hypothesizing about how long they had left together. Ah, uh, in general. Neither of them said the together bit out loud. But when it came to the point where Aziraphale would usually mention the hour was getting on and Crowley would take the hint and go, the demon suggested lunch instead. Then they had a very nice lunch. And a very pleasant walk next. That had been Aziraphale's idea. And then they mutually agreed to supper afterwards, reluctant to part. 
Neither of them said it out loud. Neither of them had to. So they were in the back room of the shop, drinking. The Antichrist had been on Earth for nearly a full 24 hours, and when Crowley finally suggested a solution, Raphael nearly fainted from sheer proximity to so much audacity. Imagine! The two of them stopping it all. The Great War. The End. Just the two of them. Aziraphale had read countless prophecies on the matter, and the one thing all the sources agreed on was that the end was inevitable. Once it started, there would be exponentially increasing spates of entropy until the… well, the end, he supposed. Heaven and hell duking it out until one emerges victorious. Aziraphale honestly couldn't be sure which victor would be worse and winced at his own unspoken blasphemy. Fortunately, Crowley didn't notice, completely drunk off his arse and waving his arms about like a… like a… squidipus. Crowley always became so adorably animated when they were debating. More so when they were were drunking, drunk and judging by the bottles lying about on his carpet, they had been doing this for hours. Worse yet, the more Aziraphale argued with Crowley, the more the blasted demon had to go and say something perfectly confounding or, or brave or right. Damn it. He had no right being so clever and looking so smug, sprawled out across Aziraphale's settee with his sunglasses shoved up on his brow and his shirt rucked up from all his flopping about so that it showed glimpses of smooth golden skin just there at the hip. Aziraphale's gaze seemed to become glued on that vulnerable bit of flesh, the way it shifted over the sharp jut of bone, hidden by the rest of his badly wrinkled shirt and wine-stained tie. Those ink-black trousers sure looked fine. Several row via demonic miracle. He bet they would be smooth and soft against his fingers, did he just say something about sushi? Bother! Aziraphale had to sober up. Crowley followed suit. It didn't help at all, being sober. If anything, it made Crowley more articulate and sly. And brave and handsome. And there really wasn't anything refuting his logic, so... Soon they were shaking hands over a plan to mutually oversee we warlocks' upbringing in hopes of pulling the whole great plan off course. One final quip from Crowley and they were back at that familiar heavy pause in conversation that usually prompted them to part ways. Raphael still wasn't ready. Crowley frowned, chewing his thumbnail. Then he grimaced. Then he stood. 
Aziraphale stood as well, hands twisting in his cardigan. Crowley stretched, joints popping as he reached long arms up to the ceiling. And there, above his soft dark trousers, was that swath of tempting skin. I guess it should probably be... Aziraphale was on his knees at once, gripping the demon's slender hips like a vise. He pressed his face lightly against the demon's warm abdomen before lifting the hem of the shirt with his upturned nose, pressing a kiss to the skin he'd been craving. He felt the muscles contract under his lips as Crowley gasped quietly. He heard the faint whisper of Angel and felt long fingers cut through his hair as he followed his kiss with a small flick of tongue. Crowley's hands seemed to tremble slightly as they stroked over his head, gently tracing Aziraphale's jaw, cupping the back of his neck and softly pulling him a fraction closer. Aziraphale's fingers, however, were as sure as ever as they unfastened the sterling buckle of the demon's belt and drew down the zippered fly. Please, Crowley sighed, counting his hips forward. He did not have to ask twice. There was something about the demon's broken whine, almost as though it were the first time Aziraphale had ever taken him in his mouth. He looked up at the sound, gentling his suction in his confusion. Crowley was gazing down at him, his glasses had slid down his nose, and his slitted eyes were soft and round with an almost desperate awe. Aziraphale realized that it had been a while after all. They hadn't been intimate since Amsterdam, but Crowley had lavished attention on the angel, too consumed with his guilt to let Aziraphale reciprocate. As much as he claimed otherwise, the deer was too traumatized to have fully enjoyed their ill-fated tryst in 1832. The Bastille had been awkward and beautiful and incredibly fun, but hardly fulfilling. Aziraphale swirled his tongue around the tip, then sucked the length of him down to the root, swooning inwardly at the familiar pine and wood smoke aroma of Crowley's arousal. He missed it. He missed him. I can't give this up, Crowley choked, digging his fingers into Aziraphale's scalp to steady himself. The poor thing's legs were already beginning to shake. Aziraphale hummed his agreement, earning a luscious groan, then lifted Crowley's knees over his shoulder. The demon gladly wrapped his leg around him, while Aziraphale supported his hips in his broad hands. Inspiration struck, and Aziraphale stood in one fluid motion, lifting Crowley with him.
The demon's yelp of surprise melted into a loud moan as he was repositioned to straddle Aziraphale's face. Oh, you're so bloody strong, Crowley cried as the angel moaned around his mouthful. He knew how much Crowley adored this place of his physical strength, but he had been afraid to let on how much he loved, how much Crowley enjoyed it. No one made him feel powerful or special the way Crowley did. No one appreciated Aziraphale for who he was rather than what he had to offer. Crowley did. And Aziraphale was never happier than he was when Crowley was laughing beside him or moaning underneath him. With that thought, Aziraphale moved them to the settee before kneeling once more and gently tipping the shivering demon back onto the cushions. Crowley deserved a bit of comfort and a whole lot more. Come here, angel. He chanted breathlessly. Come here, I, I need... Aziraphale obeyed at once, vanishing his kit to his wardrobe upstairs as he settled his knees on either side of Crowley's thin legs. The demon gasped again as Aziraphale bared his body for him, his face aglow with something dangerously close to worshipfulness. Aziraphale felt himself blush in turn, unused to such earnest praise. Crowley must have seen his momentary discomfort, because all at once the wandering expression shifted into something sly. His gaze sharpened, a long wet tongue danced across his lower lip as he reached for Aziraphale's shoulder and pulled him close, kissed him with such heat he might have forgotten that momentary slip entirely. Then he wrapped his skinny legs around Aziraphale's hips once more and squeezed, rubbing their erections together in both his nimble, clever hands, and Aziraphale's mind went completely blank. For long, stretching minutes, there was nothing but the smoky heat beneath him, the give and take of hot breath against his mouth, the wet drag of tongue, the slick glide between their legs. But something was off. Nothing immediately obvious, perhaps nothing even real, but incongruous enough for him to sense trouble. It was probably the Armageddon of it all. He should ignore the niggling doubts. He sighed against Crowley, thrusting into warm hands, luxuriating against the drip and drag of his cockhead against Crowley's hard stomach. But nothing could stop Aziraphale's obstinate mind for very long. When he sniffed out a puzzle, he would allocate some part of himself to it until it was solved, even if he had more pressing concerns. Even if he hadn't properly realized there was a puzzle to be solved. 
Then Crowley whimpered against his neck and bit his shoulder. The stalwart problem-solver disintegrated immediately as Aziraphale erupted, voltaic pleasure soaring through him with a twitch and a slam, and he was clinging helplessly to the demon, managing only an answering croak as Crowley arched violently beneath him before shivering apart. The warm gush of slick between them vanished nearly as soon as it was spilled. Aziraphale meant to thank Crowley for sparing him the frivolous miracle, but the words never formed. The placid, cottony afterglow set in. He rubbed his cheek against the crisp shirt collar and marvelled at how the demon had managed to remain half-dressed. Crowley's fingers trailed, feather-light, up and down his spine, coaxing a happy hum from Aziraphale's sleepy lips. The demon looked ready for Kip himself, his eyes glazed and heavy-lidded. A comforting purr rumbled in his chest, a deeply warm sound that resonated against Aziraphale's body, until Crowley caught himself and swallowed the sound with a soft cough. We should probably do that as much as possible, Crowley whispered, all smarm once more. If it all really is gonna end in blood and fire and krakens, then I want to get as many orgasms as I can while I can. Very sensible. Aziraphale agreed thickly. He didn't want to consider it. He didn't want to move on past the humming and purring and fingertips. There was a way back to it, though, and since Crowley had brought it up... Get this infernal shirt off and we'll begin right now. He grinned, reaching down between them to grab two fistfuls of finely tailored, or finely miracled, cotton. Ain't hmm? uh, wait! Crowley's warning trailed off at the otherwise satisfyingly loud ripping sound. A button shot off, bouncing off the demon's jaw. Aziraphale froze guiltily, staring down into wide, citrine eyes. I'm sorry, did you not want to? No, yeah, I do. I always do, Crowley assured him, but he was drawing his shirt close again. I just... Told you so, the obstinate puzzle-solver part of him told Aziraphale. You don't want me to see you? He asked Crowley quietly, deeply confused and a little hurt. Crowley turned a deeper shade of pink and scooted out from under Aziraphale when the angel lifted his weight for him. They settled on the settee side by side. Crowley hugging his shirt closed, his previously abandoned sunglasses rematerializing over the stress in his eyes. A pair of black satin pajama bottoms appeared to cover his legs. 
I'm sorry, he muttered. Shame rolled off him so heavily Aziraphale could almost taste its tannin. Crowley, you're beautiful, he insisted gently. Crowley shook his head. Not. Aziraphale scoffed, because that assertion was beyond ridiculous. Crowley was objectively stunning, and Aziraphale had said so himself at their very first meeting all those many years ago. Talk to me, he quietly urged. Why are you hiding from me? Crowley's throat bobbed as he swallowed, and a long string of nonsensical syllables flowed through his lips as he visibly struggled. Aziraphale released his held breath in relief when the demon's shoulders slumped in resignation, and he angled his tense body towards the angel once more. Okay, look... Crowley smiled sadly at him, a weak tremor in his lips. I am hiding something I should maybe have shown you before, but things have been a bit, uh, tense after the whole almost murdering you thing, so there never seemed to be a good time to discuss it. Are you hurt? Aziraphale fretted, anxiously glancing over the demon head to toe. He certainly hadn't acted as though he were in pain. Surely Aziraphale would have noticed, wouldn't he? No, not injured, Crowley assured him quickly, before grimacing and glancing away. He amended his assurance after another quick beat. Um, not anymore, I mean. It's a long story, really, but I'm fine now. Paragon of infernal health, me. So don't, don't be upset, all right? Why would I be upset if you're fine? Aziraphale demanded suspiciously. Crowley's cheeks were nearly scarlet under the dark rim of his glasses as he nervously chewed his bottom lip. He looked away, hissed turned back, taking a breath as though he were about to say something, then aborted with a frustrated sigh. Aziraphale was nearly about to scream when Crowley muttered a curse under his breath, then opened his shirt, shrugging out of the sleeves. His warm-coloured skin was mottled by a long, white scar which sliced up the left side of his ribs. Aziraphale's breath caught painfully in his throat and he wheezed in shock. He grabbed Crowley without thinking, pulling him closer and turning him over so he could track the scar's twisting progress up across his shoulder blade to the nape of his neck. It was misshapen, broader at the shoulder, as though someone had splashed the demon with white paint and it had dripped down to curl around his ribs. It looked exactly like that, except that Aziraphale could tell by the pale new skin around the outside of the scar what had been used in lieu of paint.
How did this happen? He mewled, his eyes burning with fresh tears. Crowley tried to twist in his grip, and Aziraphel reluctantly released him. See, this is what I was afraid of, Crowley muttered. It's nothing to get dramatic about. Just a bit of discoloration now, see? Crowley ran through a quick series of stretches, seemingly to prove his fitness and range of motion, as though that would assuage Aziraphale's concern. It did a bit, admittedly, but it didn't answer his question, so he stared at the demon expectantly with a worried frown. This usually propelled Crowley into capitulating, and this time was no exception. The demon growled at him in annoyance, then flopped back down beside him in sulky surrender. It was just a couple stupid demon hunters, Angel, he grumbled. Summoned me back in 1920-something, just before I came back to London, actually. Humans did this to you? Aziraphel questioned skeptically. Crowley practically wilted at his tone for a moment before bounding to his feet again. You know these bloody summoning circles catch me more often than they used to, he grumbled furiously. Wasn't such a problem before the spiritualist craze. Then everybody fancied themselves a bloody occultist, and some of the kooky books they peddled were bound to have some actual demonology in them. Even then I'd get by, since there were other, weaker demons about to get called into their circles. Crowley was pacing now, becoming animated in his frustration. But hell has been pulling its ranks back for the last century or so, right? Now some twit in a crushed velvet robe wants to know how to trap death. I'm the demon they summon for information. Some demon hunters want to cut their teeth by melting a minion of hell. Guess it's time to drag old Crowley through the fabric of reality and dump him at some crossroads in fucking Portland. I understand summoning circles. Aziraphale barked in hopes of dragging old Crowley to the blasted point. How exactly did two humans overpower you? Crowley stopped pacing to scowl at him. His brows were drawn down in consternation. Can't believe this escaped your notice, Zira, he snarked. But I'm not exactly the most powerful hellion there is. Not a duke of hell or anything. And sometimes the humans get good information and pass it along to their kin. Proper demon hunters. It happens, hate to say. These blokes knew what they were about. Who were they? Aziraphale demanded, his protectiveness distracting him from remembering these men were likely dead and gone by now. Huh? Remington? Colt? Pfft, I don't know. These Americans are always naming themselves after guns. It's the other way round, I suspect, Aziraphale corrected unable to help himself. Don't be ridiculous, Crowley spat. Guns can't name themselves after anything. 
Can I get back to the story, or are you ready to drop this? Oh, not at all. Please continue. Crowley deflated slightly as Aziraphale refused to accept the change of subject. Right, well, yes, uh, they had some holy water and... He made a splashing sound with a flippant shrug as though that could possibly sum things up. You're lying, Aziraphale responded flatly. Not, Crowley snorted with fake indignation. Was just lucky the holy water was rubbish. Didn't do me in. Just scolded like... Crowley trailed off with a sudden sick whine he clearly hadn't meant to make. It was the first part of the story Aziraphale believed. The weak holy water had been real, at least. Promise me that you didn't do this to yourself, he pleaded. If someone had hurt Crowley enough to permanently mark him, Aziraphale needed to blame that on some third party. I'm a demon, Zira, Crowley scoffed. How would I get my hands on holy water? And for that matter, why would I want to? Bit of a nuclear option for my lot, innit? Crowley gasped, snapping his fingers as though struck by a sudden epiphany. Say, can you get me some holy water? Nothing rubbish. I'd need the holiest you can get. Hi, what? Aziraphale squawked, successfully flustered off course now. Why? We're about to pull off the mother of all thwartings, Angel. Crowley's grin was more than a little maniacal. When it all shakes out, I might need a nuclear option after all. 